Founders face mentors and masters. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. Today, we are with Kat Stancic, the lead boss at Action Incubator. Hello, Kat. Hi, thank you for having me. It is wonderful to have you here. I know you have a lot to give the audience, a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience. I want you to tell them a little about your background and what you do. Um, so basically I'm known as the lead boss and I support a lot of boutique consultancies and small businesses, entrepreneurs, right, who have a small team or a team of people who support them and being able to multiply their revenues over and over again so that they scale past seven and beyond. Now, how I specifically do that is by helping them focus on their organic lead gen process so that they have the systems and processes to duplicate their revenue. Now, how I got here is I have a background in corporate. I used to work in a high-level consultant firm, um, one of the top in the nation. And basically, I followed the rainbow and the pot of gold wasn't the one that I wanted, essentially. So I got my MBA, got the highfalutin consulting paying gig, doing lots of stuff, traveling traveling, all this and everything. And it wasn't feeding my soul. And I realized that, you know, along the way that the people who were being promoted, they them of themselves were good people, but the life that they were living wasn't what I wanted to be. I didn't want to be working nights and evenings, weekends, holiday weekends, just because there was a holiday didn't mean that I could put in extra billable hours, working on proposals, all that stuff. It just wasn't what was going to make me feel like I was actually living and creating an impact. And so that started my journey on what am I going to do in my life? Because Everything had led up to this. I'd invested all this money. And really, I um, the, the funny story is, is I opened my laptop and I Googled, what's my passion? There were not very good search results at the time. And um, what came up on Google? Do you remember? Well, one specific thing came up. It was a quiz. And I think it was like $74 or something like that. And it was like, take this quiz and we'll tell you what you should be doing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no way. Am I paying $74 to take some kind of assessment that's going to, no, that's too much. I don't have, I don't want to spare that. So a year later, <laughs> still not having found out what my passion is, I hired a life coach, which I will tell you was more than $75. Um, and through that process, realized that that was something that maybe would be interesting for me. And I just plopped down $10,000 to get my accreditation with the ICF. It, it took me a year to get that to be trained and you know certified effectively and properly. It wasn't just this you know certification in a weekend thing. Uh, we had to practice our craft and that really started me down my path of, you know, starting my own business, getting some clients and through the process of having to grow my business from nothing, I realized that I had this gift of being able to do biz dev, right? Business development. And people kept asking me, well, how are you doing that? How are you getting your clients? How can you charge that much for what you're doing? I'm only charging this. And I was like, well, I can receive it. And just really working with people through that. And so it really just kind of morphed into the version of the business that it is today in terms of helping people generate more effective leads of people, right? Valuing the relationship over the transaction who are ready to buy, but really looking at, you know, building that relationship and looking at the long and short strat short-term strategies that work for the life you want to be building, not just the business. Now, what are some of the insights that you came to that really allow people to achieve this? 
I'm a doer, right? Like give me a plan, give me a blueprint. It's going to get done. No problem. You know, I did a lot of project management in my background, business process, re-engineering, right? Like following a flow chart. That's what I want to do. And then I had to realize that a lot of things I had to release as triggers one too much. I am too much for certain people and that's okay. That's not about me. That's their thing. Right. And so having to really kind of step into that and really own the fact that I am comfortable with who I am, sometimes I'll get triggered and that will trigger the too muchness, which also triggers the not enoughness <laughs> and really kind of, you know, going through therapy and what better process than to start your own business. Um, but also with professional help, um, right. Is working through those past experiences that created a story in my mind and defined who I was, but didn't define who I wanted to be. So that was one of the biggest shifts that kind of picked up along the way. And the other one was just given the fact that, you know, I am a doer and I'm an overachiever, there were certain expectations that I was living up to for someone else. And I had to really look into what was it that I wanted for myself, for my family, for my children. Um, I have three kids under seven, right? So traveling all the time is just not something that I want to do. Some people can do that and they want to do that. It's just not in my values. And really understanding that this is a third piece. So building a business that supports your life and not the other way around. Um, and the third piece is that content is absolutely critical to your business. If you are not investing time in um, sharing content, sharing your stories, like story-based marketing is the most effective strategy when it comes to marketing, you know, then you're leaving a lot of opportunity, which means that you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Tell us a little about your story. So what were some of the emotional things that you went through that led you to the point where you came to these insights? So I've always been triggered by the too muchness. Um, I mean, I remember just, just, you know, it gets planted in your head at some point. There's some memory, everyone, anyone listening now can kind of probably re remember what that memory is. And someone said something, you experienced something and that got established as a firm chapter and truth in your life. And I think that I had a lot of what happened was, especially when I was in corporate, one of the ways that I released that was actually going and doing personal development. Like I was conforming a lot, right? I was trying to fit in. I don't fit in. If you guys are watching the, uh, the video, like this does not fit into normal society. Um, and I had to really kind of look at what what I was swallowing down, right? Like when I was, and I'll come back to the corporate aha, but this to give you context, when I was in college, I was in my senior year of college and I was 315, 300 pounds. I got up to 320 pounds by the time I was um, six months out of college. And I really, I remember sitting in the basement, a basement apartment, it had no windows. It had a door, the door was glass. That was the only window by myself. And I ate an apple pie for dinner. One, it was the only thing I could afford. Cause it was like two or $3 at Walmart and it could, you know, I almost all of it and it was able to split it between the two, but I was, I was eating my emotions so much to the point that I was killing myself. I was morbidly obese. It took my mom coming in and saying, we've got to do something here. And basically she said, Hey, we should, you know, you should look at this gastric bypass thing. And I was like, no, that's giving up. That's the shortcut. Um, I can do this. And I really looked at my life at that point and was like, if I could have, I would have, I can't, I can't do this by myself. And so it was kind of miraculous. Like that was probably in October. 
And by January, I had gone through the surgery and everything that needed to happen happened. Every door that had been closed opened up for me and just enabled this thing to happen. And I remember that after that happened, there was just this renewed sense of possibility of I can reclaim my life. I can start, it was like wiping the slate clean of being like, you're no longer defined by your weight. You're no longer defined by all the things that you don't or do have. And really being able to say what's possible now. And I was what, 22 at the time. So by the time I was 23, I bought my first condo. It was that drive of I'm gonna do this. And it really connected me back and talk about stories to this one particular place where I remember I was in fifth grade And I went to the French international school uh, here in Bethesda and I had no friends. I was being bullied. I just, it was just all kinds of horrible experiences. And I was eating my lunch in the bathroom stall. And I remember thinking life can't be like this. All of my life cannot be this. I don't want this. That innate knowing is what drove me through all of those dark moments, those things that I had to kind of go through to get to where I am today. And one of those things, see, I'm bringing it back now, was when I was in um, corporate. So like, even though I had gone through these transformations, I was still conforming. I was still being told, you know, improve your weaknesses. I was terrible at details. Oh, like filing was the bane of my existence. Yes. Do I know my alphabet? But apparently when it comes to filing, I don't like, it's just not something I do well. And I was just always trying to conform. And as I was going through this personal development with, you know, looking into coaching and seeing the positive impact that I was having on people, the first time I did a coaching session with three different people, I made each of them cry. And I felt so good about myself, not because they were in pain, but because they were experiencing radical shifts very fast. And I made a decision when I was at my consulting firm that this isn't how I wanted to be. So I said, you know what? I'm going to stop trying to work on my weaknesses and I'm just going to step into my strengths. I'm just going to fully own the things that I'm amazing at doing. And I'm not really going to worry about the things that I'm not so great at. And all of a sudden I started getting promoted. I started getting recognized. I got the firm's top award for employees. I got promoted again, right? I had, and all the while I had like two babies and anybody who's been pregnant and working, getting promoted isn't something that can happen uh, consistently and predictably. And I remember that just the path forward was mine to choose, but the path in front of me wasn't the one I wanted to walk. And so that's where I came back to that decision of how do I create the impact, make the shift and really start valuing myself as a human and how I can contribute to the world as a whole. You completely transformed yourself. And now it seems like your mission is to help other people transform themselves and their businesses. So it's both an inner transformation of who they are. You go through sort of a therapeutic transformation, but then you also deal with real business issues, strategies, tactics. Can you describe that process for us and and give us maybe an example of one of your clients and what you took them through? Um, It was, it's funny because this reminds me of like a little bit of the conversation that we had, because when I first introduced myself to you, I was like, oh, I'm a business strategist. And you're like, cool. And then we started talking you're like, um, but you don't talk like a business strategist. And that's when I told you that I have this coaching background and all that stuff. It's kind of this amazing hybrid approach that I take where so many consultants, it's just very cut and dry. Like you're paid by the word, right? Um, Therapists, not the area that I play in. And I don't want to, you know, have someone just sitting on the couch, but this and coaching is great because it kind of 
is in this middle space, but I really shine when I can tell someone what to do, because a lot of times that's actually what people want. And there are times when someone's stuck and me telling them what to do and them not doing it is a clear indicator that there's a mindset component there. And my ability as being this weird hybrid, that's amazing is I can reach into my toolbox and pull out a coaching capability that helps them work through that and kind of process through it to a point where they get back into action. And if that's something they're wanting more of, then they can find the right person to support them. But in the meantime, they've been able to continue to progress in their business and have the money to be able to reinvest in themselves. It's so important for me. Like one of the things that I say is I believe in my clients the way that someone should have. And it's the same thing I experienced, which is someone should have believed in me the way that I knew that I could achieve something. So I remember someone that I worked through, worked with, she came to me and I remember we were on the phone and this was a little bit earlier on in my business. I was definitely making traction and she came to me and we were talking and she was on the phone with me and she goes, Kat, I want to work with you. This was a sales call. I don't have the money. And I go, okay. Now this is, I'm going to caveat this. This is not something I do every single time, but if you feel called and we all know what that means in terms of like, there is an innate desire, not from a place of lack, but from this pace of, I need to support this person in some way. And I've got 10 more minutes. Right. So I said, that's fine. I totally understand. Cause I'm not a high pressure salesperson at all. I hate it. it ugh, right. Um, I, tr- I just assume that you're an adult on the other side of the conversation. So <laughs> And they said, well, can we, let's think about what are some opportunities that you have in front of you? And she said, well, I have a sales call after this. It's like, great. What do you, what are you going to offer? How are you talking about it? What are you going to ask for in terms of uh, as a price point? And we just talked through it a little bit in terms of how she was approaching it. And I gave her a couple little tweaks. And I want people to remember that it's small hinges, swing, big doors. So it's not about making these huge overhauls and saying that offer sucks, throw it in the trash. We're going to create a new one. But it's sometimes, you know, we can't see the picture from the frame. And so I was seeing there's a couple of blotches and I was like, hey, let's fill those in. And then it becomes this dynamic offer. Well, she went and she closed that client and literally called me back and said, I'm ready to work with you. Let's go. So we worked together. And in that first time that we worked together, I think she made something like $15,000, right? And we kept in touch. And I'm, I'm sharing this because this is how people should be thinking about business. You don't always get those big wins with clients right off the bat, but if you keep in touch, look what happens. She came back and she bought from me again at a higher price point. And that time she made $65,000 in 90 days right? So you guys can do the math and multiply that over, but now she had a system and a process to be able to duplicate her success. Now, the thing that she was dealing with, because we all have our cross to carry, right? We all have burdens. We don't know as much as someone looks successful on the outside, probably every single person is dealing with a lot of things that you just bring them down and are tearing them up inside. So, you know, give people that grace and don't assume that everything is rocking because if they're looking like it in one place, it's probably not in another. Anyway, throughout the entire time between that first time that we worked together and that last time that we worked together, she was fighting for her son. She was in an abusive relationship. When she had talked to me, the reason that she didn't have the money was because her husband had left her, had taken everything out of the bank account and basically kicked her out. She had nothing. And so her confidence had been taken away from her. She was ripped down to her core and didn't know if she could do this. And by the time we were done working together, she had gained custody of her son. She had been able to fight through the system. She had been able to 
you know, hire the lawyers that she needed to hire because at the beginning she couldn't, she had to do the work herself. She had to do all this stuff. And she was, she didn't know all the intricacies. And so she was falling things through the cracks and she didn't know she was going to be able to make it. And it was her why she needed to fight for her son. And now she's with her son. I just saw online, she bought a brand new house, not too long ago, right? She's providing the life for her son that she wished someone had provided for her. And she's opening up her ability to receive even more. That's why I do what I do. It is so wonderful that you could step in and help her at the time she really needed it. Can you tell us some of the tactical things, like those little hinges that you talked mm. about, that you give your clients as advice, like deal is on the table, but they can't seem to close it. What do you tell them to do? So I think that most people get stuck. So my process is connect, converse, and close. Like if someone's getting stuck, it's somewhere in that, like going from complete strangers to client. That's, that's the business process, right? <laughs> So that's what I talk about. And where I see people get stuck is in that conversation place, you know, so like the connecting in terms of like going out and hitting that connect button on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is, not so difficult, not a huge barrier, having some level of clarity on who your ideal client is. Sure. All of that can use work in terms of your positioning and all that, but where people get stuck is in this place of how do I go from talking about the weather to whether we should work together? That weather to weather turn of conversation is where people get triggered because it's that I don't know what to say. I don't want to come off as sleazy and salesy because we've all experienced that person. You know, I call him pitchy Pete on LinkedIn. Other people call it being, uh, was it pitch slapped? I always say used furniture car salesman because it's just like the combo of that human is blah, right? But we don't want to come across as way. At least my people don't. So we avoid the thing because, you know, it's all about pleasure, pain, and motivation. But what happens is, and we all realize this with our clients is that most clients come to us in a place of crisis. I'm just going to let that sit for a second because you're going to fight that. But if you think about it, most times your clients come to you from a place of crisis. I need to fix this. So when they're in that place, they're still sometimes going to avoid doing the thing that's hard. And what I want to say is that conversation is the thing that you must master in order to be able to scale. And I'm saying there are multi-million dollar companies who still haven't mastered this skill set. So if you're not there, it's okay. I'm going to use that line of it's not your fault because no one's talking about this. It's not about having the perfect sales funnel. It's not about having the sales script or having a sales page or the perfect webinar, whatever it is. At the end of the day, anybody who's buying a high ticket offer is getting on the phone. And if you can't have that conversation, you're leaving money on the table. The good news is, is that it's not this hidden thing that only certain people are born with. Yes. Do people have charisma? Yes. However, this is a skill set that you can learn. If you hate selling and being aggressive with selling, you can be hyper successful. If you love selling, then great. You probably need more leads. I talk about the fact that you can have the worst sales call ever. And the reason that I can talk about this is because I've done it. <laughs> I've had the worst sales call where I have not followed the script. I have not done the, you know, get them connected to their pain kind of thing. And it's still closed because I had the right lead on the call because I was very clear with who I was talking to and I qualified them through the conversation. I got curious, I talked about them. We are our own favorite topic of conversation. If you're struggling with having a conversation with someone, help them talk about themselves. They will be more than happy to engage. So this is that play in your business more. 
right? If things are feeling hard, it's because you're making it difficult. So stop and look at where you can infuse you know, like the, the joy and the play back in your business. If there's someone you're really wanting to work with and you don't know how to go and have the conversation, say that, Hey, you know what? I'm feeling really weird about this. Like I'm trying to figure out how to have a conversation with you. I think you're really super awesome. Do you want to get on a call? Like do a coffee chat? Are you, are you okay with that? And if they say no, here's the other piece of advice that I give a lot of my clients, stop taking it personally. It's a business decision. It's not personal. When you go to the grocery store, and you don't buy every single bottle of ketchup. Do you think the Heinz company is going, oh my God, they don't like me. I'm worthless. I'm not worth anything. I'm going to fail. No. What are they going to do? They're going to keep marketing. They're going to keep top of mind. And when you need ketchup, who are you going to buy from? That's the thing is if someone says no, great. They've made a decision. But here's the thing. You had the opportunity to have the sales conversation. You had the opportunity to connect with that person. That means that the offer isn't off the table. It's just a not right now. So keep following up, right? Keep engaging with them. And eventually when they're ready, it's not about forcing someone to make a buying decision. It's about supporting them along the way so that when they get to a buying decision, you're the person that they consider buying from. And that's why as part of the conversation, the other piece that people need to be focused on is your content. Your content is a way for you to have thousands of conversation without you ever having to get on the phone. It helps people understand who you are, what your values are. It's not necessarily the know, like, and trust. Yeah, that's kind of there, but they need to know who you are innately as a person. I tend to attract people that have some kind of time obligation, right? Because I have kids, people are like, well, if she has three kids under seven and she's doing what she's doing, Okay. She's going to understand like the, I, I, me with my one kid or me with my parent or me with my three dogs, you know, I'm going to be able to do this. So where are you creating that inspiration in your content, communicating your values, right? And it's not all about the Facebook facade of perfection, but of sharing some of the things that you're doing that are hard or that you failed at. Example, I'm running a Tough Mudder right now. So hopefully by the time this airs, I'm done and I've succeeded and I haven't quit, but I'm sharing my journey along the way because I hate running. I hate exercising. I hate sweating without permission. It's just not something I like to do. My extent of like walking is like walking to the couch and playing on playgrounds with my kids. Like that's it. That's my comfort zone. I'm having to push myself beyond anything. And what I'm communicating and the underlying message that some people don't realize yet is your ability to succeed in business has everything to do with your mental dexterity. Can you keep going when everything in front of you seems impossible? That is great. And is that the reason you're doing the Tough Mudder? Because it seems impossible for you? It is. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, like that is like, it's so like one, it's mud. Like I just, it's not my thing. Uh, it's running horrible. It's obstacle courses. Like I don't have upper body strength. Like, like for me, like fight or flight, it's possum. Like I'm just laying on the floor pretending to play dead. Like there's just like, there's no, I can't run and I can't fight. So my middle option is playing possum. Um, so like having to scale a two story or three story building up a ladder, right? Like having to like swim through an electrified mud pit. Like <sighs> why? Because I need to prove it to myself that I can do hard things. I have ample evidence that I've done hard things. But my ego needs more. 
I need something to focus on so that other things can be attractive to me, right? Like, can, and can be attracted to me. Like the secondary reason is I've been wanting to get in better shape. I did a post about this and I wasn't doing it. It's that I would have, I could have again. And so I needed that external motivator, that external push to do the thing that I wasn't doing for myself. And so I created accountability. My friend asked me to join. Okay. I said, yes, now I'm committed. I messed around for eight weeks, pretending to try to get in shape and it didn't happen. So then I bought a program that said, we're going to keep you in touch. We're going to tell you what to do each and every day. I looked at today. I almost screamed. I've done half of it. I have to do the other half because I needed to shower before this interview. <laughs> like right now, that's what I'm struggling with is, am I going to do that second half? Cause I did the first half and I'm really focusing on keeping that intentionality because it it demonstrates how you do anything is how you do everything. And I need to push myself beyond what I'm comfortable because this is about putting myself first. I can help more people when I prioritize me. And for me, that means being able to run better after my kids, right? I gotta catch them, right? <laughs> Don't cross the road. But also being able to feel more confident, as confident as I come across as, like there are areas that I'm not as confident in. And so being able to do that, that's like one of the ultimate attraction factors is when you are hyper-confident in all things. And so building that within myself, because here's at the end of the day, my valuation isn't based on two things. It's not based on how much I weigh and it's not based on how much money I make. And so many people are driven by those two things. Let those things go and stand in your own self-worth because that's when you're going to make multiple like leaps and bounds progressive. You're going to cover a lot of ground in your business and in your life. So what I'm getting from you is that remaking yourself, you don't do it once because you did it once. It's an ongoing process. And then number two is that you remake yourself by setting these goals and achieving them. And those goals, the goals you choose are how you define yourself. And you want to choose goals mm -hmm. that other people don't set for you. You yeah. want to choose goals that mean something to you. And just by reaching for those and making progress on those, suddenly that energizes you in all other parts of your life. Such a great recap. And I'm taking notes. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there's something really important about, you know, it, it's why the coaching components kind of work, you know, everyone kind of has had to follow someone else's beat, right. Someone else's drum in terms of expectations and things like that. And we've accomplished those expectations and then really feel fulfilled or they were kind of late on us. Um, you know, maybe your mom wanted you to be a doctor, right. Or maybe like the people that you saw that were the most successful had an MBA or, you know, people who seem to be happy were people making a certain amount of money, whatever that is, it's not something that's actually innately a drive. So you've got to figure out what is that thing that's going to make you happy. And at the end of the day, it really comes down to, so I talk about it. Are you flirting with the goal or are you marrying it? Right. So are you kind of deciding or are you committed? For me, it's when I make that commitment, when I'm absolutely, I've made the it's not just the intention, but it's the decision, right? That this is happening. Then I know without a shadow of a doubt that I will accomplish that goal because I have enough proof in my life that that's what I've done. It's getting to the point where that becomes a non-negotiable. That's the mental dexterity that people kind of wane in, right? And they're like, well, I'm kind of interested about doing this, but uh, you know, that seems great. Yeah. Every time I say I'm kind of interested in something, I kind of start it and then I kind mm -hmm. of stop yep. and, and it means nothing. So it's mm -hmm. a waste of my energy and my time. And it actually makes me feel worse about myself 
because I just left something that I was kind of committed to undone. So it's much better to pick what you're really interested in and then just fully commit, go all the way. Yes. And release the things. If you're not all in, don't feel bad about the fact that you're not all in. Like it took me a long time to get to this place. I mean, and it's the, again, the pain pleasure motivator. I had, had just had my son and, you know, I was like, oh, it's baby weight, it's baby weight. Well, when baby's two and a half, it's not really baby weight anymore. And I had to really look and be like, all right, like this is making me more and more miserable. And the more I was gaining weight, the more I was like, I'm not going back to that place where I was. And that's what it felt like. Again, what path am I walking? And I was like, I am not walking down this path. I'm doing a U-turn or I'm going to hop over to this one because this is the one I want to be on. But you have to take that time to be able to do that inner reflection and say, you know what, how important is this to me? If it's not important and I'm not doing anything, then don't beat yourself up about it. Cause then you're just wasting more energy, more time that you could be putting into being, doing something else. That's way more productive in your day. You are a busy person, three kids, you're self-employed. And we know when you're self-employed, you work way harder even than you do in a, in a big corporation. You might not have to travel as much, but <laughs> the hours are there. How do you manage your time? What do you do to actually keep a balance between your family, your work, and still be very productive and feel good about all of it? It's definitely about boundaries. Oh, I know boundaries. But for me, it's five o'clock is family time. So like no one can schedule a meeting with me after that unless I decide, right? Again, but I'm empowered by the decision. It's really, honestly, I talk a lot about money because that's where the ego's at. But at the end of the day, true success is mastery of time is being able to really own your time and how you spend it and where you're doing with it. And so doing things like setting boundaries gives you the evidence that you need to demonstrate that you are in process of mastering time. So for me, kid time, dinner time at the table, everyone together, like there's just just these non-negotiables that I have to honor because if not, then all the things start slipping. That's how you go from, Hey, I was so successful in business to what happened. So you go back and look at, all right, I have a recipe for success. Part of my recipe is having these boundaries in place. It's when I go on vacation, I'm on vacation. No, you can't schedule time. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know I said I could do that thing, but vacation came up. This was the week that works. We're going to have to reschedule and really kind of putting your lifestyle first and not expecting to just always cowtail to other people's demands. So I would say that the most important thing is the boundaries, um, time management, like really looking at, you know, there's this matrix basically of where's your excellence, where's your brilliance, where's your, you know, good enough. And where's the, I suck. Everything below needs to go out. Now, a lot of people aren't in a place yet where they can delegate all those things, but you really should be focused. 80% of your time should be in your excellence. And that's the thing that's going to drive the most money. So it is deliverability, but right. 20%, you need to look at how are you communicating that? How are you marketing? How are you spending that time? And what's your process? So many people are like, she got lucky. He got lucky. No, they did not get lucky. Luck has no place in your business. People who are successful are strategic. They have given everything. They are determined. They are fierce. They are going to do it. I was just telling someone a story about this like yesterday, which is, Sometimes we go back and we watch these movies from like 10 years ago and we're like, oh yeah, I remember watching that in grade school or high school or whatever it is. You go back and you watch it and you realize that today's biggest stars are in the background of that movie. That blockbuster hit has today's stars in the background. Those guys, those women took jobs that were shitty 
They were the backup. They were the crew. They were extras, but they kept at it until they got to the front of the screen. But so many people fall off between that process. So where are you on your journey? You don't know. It could be another month. It could be another five years. Just keep going because it's inevitable if you keep doing the work. So when you get to the point where you keep doing the work, but you don't see progress, you don't see that you're actually moving forward. That's when people get depressed. Mm -hmm. What do you tell them at that point? I would look at what's not bringing them joy. I mean, you kind of marry condo it a little bit and looking at, you know, if you're not making progress, it's because you're not doing the thing that you should be. And you're probably getting involved in your business in a way that you don't belong. Meaning I've seen this happen over and over again, CEOs, right? So they, they started as entrepreneurs, they grow their business, they become the CEO, and then they get to a comfortable place and they start self-sabotaging themselves. The reason is, is that most people have this, and I'm, I'm going to do it from a financial perspective, but people have this financial thermostat. It is set to a certain degree. So let's say you are comfortable making $250,000. You're making $250,000 and that is the most that you feel you can ever earn. What will happen is, is people operate within, it's like a, it's a, a 10% rule. If you make 10% more than that, you're going to sabotage yourself to come down to 250. If you drop below 250, you're going to work that much harder to get back to it. And what you need to do is if you're in that place where it's feeling stagnant, then things need to change. You need to challenge yourself more and you need to raise your thermal, your, your thermostat if that's what you're desiring. The other thing to look at is maybe the thing that you need isn't necessarily more money, but looking at where are you spending your time? I know that there are people who are, who make more money being a boutique company, meaning they're making $500,000 a year. They make more money than someone making 5 million. And the reason is, is that most of that money between that half million and 5 million is going back out to employees and stuff like that. So if you're not driven by managing people, then look at the kind of business that you're trying to build and look at the kind of life you want to live instead. That's great advice. You have given us so much great insights in this episode. I want to thank you for being on the show. And before we go, I want you to tell us where people can find you. Um, well, I have a free gift. Is that okay to share that? Absolutely. Okay. So I have a lead bus jumpstart. It's how I like people to stack wins before they ever even consider like working with me or like staying in my space or whatever it is. And so what it is, it's a three-part training and it comes with worksheets. And the first one is, um, it's how to break down your hour of lead generation a day. What I talk about is once you set up your system, it's easy to maintain in an hour or less a day, right? And that's with full pipeline, high ticket sales, making as much money as you want, but it's about putting that together. So it look, it breaks down that hour and it doesn't have to be a consecutive hour. You can break it up over the day and what the activities are that go into that lead generation effort. The second piece is actually social media swipe that you can use to help people you are currently connected with to raise their hands and say, I'm ready to work with you. So being able to already start monetizing the contacts that you already have. And the third piece is, is actually my personal close script. So it's the, what I share with my private clients and it's how I close anywhere between 80 and 90% and how my clients do the same of their sales call. It walks you through that process without being hype aggressive. So all three of those are bundled together and you can get it at fullybooked.ceo. Um, otherwise I'm on social media. I mean, Kat Stancic's not, you know, there's not a lot of us. Um, and you know, I'm always happy to chat and have a conversation and see how I can be of support. Kat, you've been wonderful. I want to end the show with you giving one final parting thought 
to the audience. I guess it goes back to one of the quotes that I love, you know, Henry Ford, who says, if you think you can or think you can't, either way, you're right. So what are you believing? I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.